Hi there, and welcome to the Homestead Education Podcast. Do you have a homestead, farm, or just dream of a rural life? This is a show to help you and your kids grow your own food and grow as a person. I'm your host, Cody Hanner. I'm a homesteader, homeschool mama six, and small town enthusiast. I was raised by an old school rancher and blessed by the grace of God to have been exposed to so much of what rural life has to offer. Join me every week to talk about homesteading, homeschooling, and growth with a homestead education. Hi, everybody. I am super excited for the guests that we have today. I have Dusty Baker from Cross Timbers Bison. He has over 50 bison on his rancher farm or whatever he wants to call it in Sulphur, Oklahoma. So hi, Dusty. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I gave a quick rundown. Do you want to tell a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, so um, we I am a first generation bison rancher um, in Oklahoma, and I uh, in the South started. sometimes they're called something different. So I had to, you know. <laughs> no, that's okay. I, I like to call it ranch. You know, I don't. Uh, I don't have any crops or anything. To me, I think you know crops and those type of fields and stuff. You know, you're harvesting the crops. I consider that a farm. That's just me, but you know, so absolutely. Uh, So just a bison uh, ranch and uh, we started raising them in 2018 uh, with five and we've expanded over the uh, past almost five years now coming up on five years this May and uh, we've expanded to over 50 in a a quick quick amount of time it feels like but um, yeah so that's kind of where we're at now and we um, we started, we started a jerky line. Um, we started a jerky line in last year with jerky and snack sticks. And then we also started, uh, um, yeah, jerky and snack sticks. And then we also started a meat line, um, last year. So, um, learned a lot there and awesome. So do you just sell off your farm or do you, uh, like do the shipping? We do the shipping. We ship, uh, meat, um, you know, across the country, um, uh, whenever we have it. Um, and then of course, uh, you know, it's a lot easier to ship the dry goods, the jerky and snack sticks. Um, so we, we always typically have it and we try to keep up with that. So, uh, and then we also, my mom has a, uh, store in my hometown here of sulfur and she sells meat, jerky and the snack sticks in town too. So that's awesome. Um, so I have to admit, I have personal curiosity and professional reasons that I was excited to bring you on. Yeah. Um, so when I was in college, I was working towards doing a master's in bison nutrition. That was where I was going to go after college. And then, you know, life changes and yeah. that didn't work out for me, but I've kind of always had this like I wish something would have went that way. I ended up actually working at a bison ranch after college. Wow. But, you know, they just wanted me for my food safety knowledge and didn't let me play with the bison at all. So uh, yeah. it was a huge bummer. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> you don't get to hear that very often, you know, is that people are associated with bison, you know, so that's, uh, that's pretty interesting. Good. Yeah. You know, I grew up with a bison ranch right down the road for me in California when I was a kid. I mean, it was there and that's where I worked after college. And uh, what an experience, I'm sure. 
Oh yeah. I've worked in some really cool places because I was never like, I never wanted to work in the boring places. I only wanted to work in the cool places. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's definitely different for sure. So. Yeah. I actually, um, whenever I work with kids and they talk about the different types of, you know, careers and ag and stuff, I always say, like, you can see me, my listeners can't, but I have a bald spot, like right here on my forehead. Yeah. And it is from being attacked by an ostrich on a wildlife preserve. So. Uh, oh my gosh. I'm sure that's a really good story to tell. <laughs> well, um, basically I just wasn't fast enough. So uh, yeah, well, they're pretty quick animals. I do not like, I'm not a huge fan. But getting pecked on the head by an ostrich is about the same as getting whacked in the head with a baseball bat. So, oh, yeah, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, mm. yeah, but, hair uh, never grew right again. So, you know, yeah. that was probably 20 years ago. <laughs> That's funny. So, you know, I saw you pop up that you're going to be a speaker at the uh, Oki Homesteading Conference. Yeah. Uh huh. Yep. <clears throat> You know, what excited me about that is I see so many um, homesteaders, small scale ranchers, they're wanting to get into, I mean, I guess you can consider even the bites and the exotics, mm-hmm. but what, you know, there's obviously a lot of things you have to consider as far as fencing and all those types of things, but you also have to consider the regulations. And I don't think a lot of people think about that. Yeah, um, there's, uh, you know, it's funny you said exotic because the federal government treats, when it comes to inspection and stuff, they still consider bison uh, exotic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the states like Oklahoma, it's not considered a, an exotic. It's, you know, deemed, I, I'm not even sure what it's deemed, but it's definitely not an exotic. I think it's their own domestic category, just like beef, dairy, you know, pigs, goats, um, so bison have their own, uh, now, but, um, yeah, there's, and the great part about it is there's not a lot of, you know, you don't have to have a permit to raise bison. A lot of people ask me that, you know, it's just, you're just, it's just like raising cattle. If you Mm -hmm. want to get into it now, there's obviously wholly different strategies you have to take like fencing, like equipment, uh, handling equipment and those things that, you know, it can add up as far as they're like me, a first time bison rancher that can really add up for a beginner farmer. So. Yeah, absolutely. I was checking out your shoot system and I was just, just the sheer size of that uh, cage or block that you have the front, of your, yeah. on the front of your shoot, like to fit their heads. I was just. Yeah. The crash gate. Yeah. So you have to have a crash gate. Crash gate. Uh, okay. Yeah. It's called a crash gate because they, they essentially crash into it. Um, you know, so the reason is they've got that tunnel vision and, and on the front of the, of a cattle head gate, you know, it's just open and, it, and you have the neck catch. Um, if they see that vision and uh, they're so strong that they can just straight run through a normal head gate. So you've got to have something to slow them down and essentially stop them. If they do get those front shoulders past that head gate, you can't let them go because you're teaching them, hey, I can run right through this. So mm-hmm. you really have to stop them. And it, it's a way to slow them down and, and get them in position where you can actually catch them in a good position. So 
yeah, it's kind of wild, but mine have gotten used to it over time. So uh, it's definitely different. They've learned you don't let them through. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like, what is the size comparison of a like bison steer ready for slaughter compared to a beef steer? Um, I don't even know. You know, I, I, I'll tell you this. I'm, I don't know much about the beef side of it. Okay. I never paid attention to it. Um, I just was, so, I mean, really like 1200 pounds is about the yeah. size of a. Yeah. So what we do is we, we take ours at a at thousand a pound at a thousand pounds. So that's the target we try to shoot. And then, you know, they need to be about two years old is kind of where that weight hits is about two years old. So that's okay. the thing about, yeah, that's the thing about bison that's different than cattle is cattle get there f- faster. Obviously, yeah, I was going to say that, that. I was surprised that that's. Yeah. And so it takes two years. A bull takes two years to hit that weight. Typically, that's a healthy get their weight. Um, and then, you know, you probably need a slaughter in between two to three years old for that prime steak and, you know, all your primals. Um, but you don't have to castrate them. Uh, that's the great thing about them is because it's oh, two nice. years. Yeah, you've got a decision you have to make at two years old. One, am I going to keep this bull for a breeding bull? Am I going to put him out with some females? Or two, am I going to am I going to process them for meat because that's that primal weight that you're trying to hit? So, you know, you if if you're ranching the right the way, you can you've got them separated in pens, and so you keep your bulls that you're going to process, or you sell them to somebody, take them to a sale, and they do whatever they want with them. Or you're going to put them out with their females for breeding. So keeping them intact doesn't affect the meat at that age. No, uh-uh. no, it, uh, hmm. it, it, it's, I guess, just a natural process, and yeah, it works but, out. Yeah, I, I mean, if you're managing the right way, you know. Yeah, I mean, being a more traditional uh, livestock raiser, I mean, that's just yep. you castrate at a young age, and it's because, I mean. Well, you know, we're pig farmers. My dad was a pig hunting guide. I know all about boar taint. Man. It is horrible. So, you know, then I think of a bison who I've smelled some bison. They don't smell yeah. great. <laughs> no. Yeah, no. It's kind of a weird aroma, a weird smell, weird sweet smell. Yeah. It's yeah. really interesting. Yeah, it is. So for somebody that... Well, I mean, I guess I have all these questions. But... I don't care. You can shoot away. So did you have a hard time? Because you have to use a USDA plant to sell your meat, correct? I do. Yep. Um... Uh, I, if you're asking how difficult it was, it was very difficult. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Oklahoma has, I think, from my experience of calling, you know, getting on the phone and doing emails, I think there's only um, four or five, just off the top of my head, four, I think that um, are USDA inspected processing facilities that will allow bison. There's a lot of inspected facilities in the state, but it's the ones that will take bison. Mm-hmm. I mean, it scares a lot of them, but um, or their handling facility is not good enough to withstand bison. But I know at the top of my head, there's there's four that will do it and i worked a relationship out and i could get in with one and it's worked out with me that's wonderful i know the ranch i worked with we had to ship our uh 
bison down to gosh, I want to say like Utah or New Mexico or I remember it was just kind of in that area. This was yeah. several years ago. So I it's you know, I've heard I've heard of those long journeys that people have to make for mm-hmm. get to a processing facility for bison. I'm lucky. I think three hours is far away. Oh, that's really hear, nice. Yeah, I know. It's and I go to these bison events and I'm like, yeah, we have to drive 14 hours to Minnesota. And I'm like, what? 14 hours? That's a long haul. And I'm so, yeah, I'm very thankful. Three hours is not Well, bad. I mean, even just for some perspective where we live, we're really rural. So to even take our pigs to a U.S., the closest USDA facility is almost an hour and a half away. Yeah. 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 Now, Same of course, thing. our custom butchers are closer. They come to the house. Right. Which- Leads to another question. Do you have an issue finding custom butchers who will work with bison? You know, uh, luckily there's a guy that's raised bison and sulfur for like 30 years. And he started a relationship with the custom meat company here just outside of sulfur a long time ago. And she's done his for forever. So if I did want to do one custom because of that relationship he started, I can, uh, I can do that. So, and it's here in sulfur actually. Okay. So now for my listeners, just to kind of explain the USDA versus custom, we get into a little shop talk sometimes Yep. Um, to be able to sell a retail cut of meat to a customer out of a store or off your ranch, you have to have it um, slaughtered uh, at a USDA on a USDA inspected floor with a vet. Now, if for custom that's for if you're going to have something butchered for your own uh, freezer that can be done with just a local butcher who they have different a set of regulations and they don't have to they can slaughter on your property they don't have to do it with a vet and then there is this wonderful loophole where if you buy a live animal from a rancher a custom butcher can go and butcher it on their property and you can buy that meat, but you can't buy it in a retail sense. You're buying a whole animal or a half animal that you've split with somebody. So, yep. Yep. You, you, you were on the point there. So with bison, it's really, it's no different. And something that's becoming popular is the, um, mobile butcher, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that comes out to these ranches and, and they harvest an animal in the field, you know, somebody shoots it. Um, in the field and then they do it there that's becoming very popular I've got some friends in West Virginia that do that Uh, you know it's kind of a more humane thing that they um, like to take that approach to instead of they're definitely less stressed yes and and bison are at are a very uh, high stressed animal so I can see the benefits of it for sure. Um, you know, for what we do, I haven't got there yet. Um, I would, I would like to entertain that at some point. Um, I don't know if my followers would be very happy with that, but you know, it's something that you can talk about because it is, if you really think about it, it's a more humane way of doing it. And, um, you can take them to a processing facility and do that, or you can do it right out here. But what for we do shipping it from out of state, out of Oklahoma, um, we definitely have to have it inspected at that facility. And so, yeah, that's just something that we have to do. I know you definitely have a lot of followers, but um, there's a couple other bison ranches that I've followed. And one of them had a 
um, a female that broke her leg and had to be put down recently. And they pretty much showed the whole thing on Instagram from start to finish. And, you know, they talked about how it was the humane thing to do and everything they were going to use the meat for. And so I think people were really receptive to it. Yeah, I think so. You're always going to have your, you know, your haters or tree huggers. <laughs> or I don't know what you Those call that them. just maybe don't understand. Yeah, absolutely. And I grew up in that. You grew up in that. So it's nothing different to us, you know, to the world. That's a huge shocker. And they don't understand the background and they don't understand, you know, when something happens to an animal or you're doing a field harvest, the benefits of it versus, you know, taking it to a processing facility or whatever. But you get this, you're watching that and you know where that animal came from. You know where it was raised. Mm -hmm. You know where it was slaughtered. All those things. And I think with my following, that is something that I could teach them about because they don't know. They're just not educated on it. And I would be happy to you know, introduce them to this and show them. So I, I haven't, I have to be very careful. Plus YouTube is really weird. And Facebook is, Facebook is really stringent on sort of those showing those things, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So I I really haven't dabbled into how far I can go, you know, like for example, I, I shot a coyote. Oh, here a month ago or so. And that video has been doing really well. It's different, you know? But I, I didn't show, I showed the coyote that was dead, but I, you know, I didn't show me shooting it. And, you know, I, I don't know what to do. I, you know, that was a stretch for me. And so for those people to go on Instagram and do it, I appreciate it. It was, mm-hmm. I, I like to watch that, but it's definitely something we have to show our followers and, and kind of slowly introduce them to. I think, I think it's great. I, I don't disagree with them showing that stuff. That's, think about the native americans yeah this this animal it was like so so important to the native americans survival what do you think they did you know yeah absolutely and i mean i know just home butchering the amount of the animal that i use versus even when i send it to my custom butcher i have to send him with a whole list of things that i want back otherwise it just goes into the awful or the rendering plant yep yep I know. And I want to be better at that too. I'm trying to find ways to use the bones or, you know, all mm-hmm. the little things that we could do to try to really use most of the bison. Well, and you know, I mean, I had a, the farmstead meat smith on recently and he was telling me about the part inside the pig's feet that you can eat, which I've had pickled pig's feet before, but that's not really my favorite. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I'll yeah. tell you what, the amount of scrap that comes off of the pigs I butcher and the deer I kill and the elk I kill, that is what f- almost exclusively feeds my Great Pyrenees throughout the year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have five big dogs. And if I put dog food out for him, it just gets eaten by my other dogs, eaten by mice, you know, that type of thing. And so I, you know, once every couple of weeks, pull out all my scrap from the freezer and make him up a really nice meal. And you know, well, he doesn't only get fed every other week, but you know, yeah. like I only cook it every other week because it yeah, doesn't no. smell good. <laughs> I mean, you put the time into the animal, you got a process, you might as well use every bit you can for your entire farm or ranch, whatever it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm definitely big on, you know, not wasting as much as I can and, you know, not even in a 
like I said, I'm not going to eat some of that stuff and I'm okay with that. Yeah. But yeah. the, the protein is staying on my land. So yes, you <laughs> might as well use it and give it back to the animals that protect your place too. You know, those Pyrenees, that's what I have. I have one of those, so I get it. Yeah. I saw a great video of him tucking tail running from a, one of your bulls. I kind of had to laugh oh, at yeah, that one. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's funny. My great Pyrenees wants nothing to do with herding or anything like that. He's like, nope, you guys have fun. Like, I'm just going to do my thing. (laughs) That's funny. It is funny to watch the difference in the dog personalities. It is. Yeah. My healer, she tries to get out there and get after him. She likes to do it on the other side of the fence, you know, to try Mm to, (laughs) she's smart. She stays on the other side of the fence, but I can get her out there to work with the young ones. Sometimes she, she don't like the adults. So, mm-hmm. so well it's like i mean our healer actually just got killed recently uh oh, no. yeah he had a run-in with a snowplow <laughs> like, <laughs> i mean we live in the middle of nowhere like it's probably the only vehicle on the highway and somehow he yeah i don't know oh, anyways um so we got a new uh he's three-quarter aussie and then a quarter border collie oh man those dogs oh man he is 10 weeks old and our pigs got out the other day and we're like let's see what he does you know we're like you know scout get him and i mean he ran all those pigs right up to the barn wow just i mean and i have a video on my instagram i mean he just he knew exactly what he was doing it was so neat to see whereas my lab is scared to death of my cows oh yeah i'm sure (laughs) <laughs> my my lab's 120 pounds and like he'll yeah. start to go after a cow and she'll turn big old mama cow turn back on him and he is gone <laughs> yep yep it's funny those dogs it's just in them mm-hmm. it's just in them to to know what to do that's crazy it i i really enjoy watching that because you know we have busy lives and you know i'm not looking to go to sheep dog trials with my aussie i just want him to be able to do his job so i'm not putting yeah hours and hours and hours in on him we don't have hundreds of cows we have six cows you know yeah i just need an extra set of hands that's a little faster than i am when i move my yeah. hands and to just be able to watch them do what they're supposed to do without with minimal training just right. manners. yeah because i wouldn't know where to begin to even train them to herd and stuff like that right it's good to get in them I trained uh, pig hunting dogs like as a kid. That was wow. that was what we did. My dad was a pig That's hunting guy. Yeah. And I still talk to my dogs like the same way. Like we never actually used words with them, just noises. And mm-hmm. um, I still train my dogs that way. And I train my toddlers that way too. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it all works. <laughs> right. Part of it. They seem pretty well behaved. My, my three-year-old's yeah. a little much, but. Um, so tell me a little bit about like the temperament with bison and, you know, the fencing and just all those kind of details. Well, I, I will say that we spend so much time with ours, um, whether it's me or my stepdad, Kevin, that helps me. Um, Mm -hmm. we, we are out there with them almost on a daily basis and, um, it has the word I the term I use is kind of uh, habituate them into uh, you know a, a smoother uh, 
way of raising them and stuff like that because we want to be around them but you know you also want to give them distance and just let them do their thing and be bison you know grazing mm -hmm. so we try to find that balance but we they're around us so much you kind of build this trust level with knowing that they can still hurt you um and, and then what we do is when we work them we work them twice a year you know, they're not as crazy and wild. Now, when you start to pin them up and you hop in there with them and, you know, there's some something different going on that day. They do get jazzed up. They get the, you know, get the blood rushing. But every year that we work them and every time that we work them, the adults especially, they get used to that. And they know, they know what's happening. And so because we've spent so much time with them and that's definitely calmed them down. Uh, temperament wise uh, which is nice um, and, and I'm pretty selective of where if I do purchase bison where they come from you know if you if you get a bison or a, you know an adult or something or a young one just doesn't matter if you get them on a big ranch or a national park or something they're gonna be pretty you know pretty wild so mm -hmm. uh, we like to buy them young and raise them young. So I started off with yearlings. Uh, I buy calves. You know, I I like them young because you can teach them your system. They get used to you. And you get used to them, and you build that bond. And so that's kind of how we do it. Um, not everybody's the same. Not everybody has as much time. You mm -hmm. know, with my video thing and stuff. I, I I'm able to spend a lot of time with them. So um as far as fencing goes we just run barbed wire uh, we do six strand barbed wire on the outside of our property oh wow yeah and um my my um approach to that is um you keep them happy and um that's really the only way that you're gonna have some issues and i'm a young producer and i'm probably gonna run into problems at some point maybe who knows i don't know but the only time that you have problems is human mistake which is not latching a gate you know um something simple like that and then also uh what i was gonna say was uh bulls you know your pasture rotation and making sure that they have plenty to eat and drink and uh don't give them a reason to want to get out uh, but what I was going to say is, is bulls, you know, bulls mm -hmm. can probably be a problem, but so far we haven't, our herds are so are small enough that we don't have to, to, to have two bulls in to compete. Well, how many acres are you running them on? So we have 189 at oh. the, uh, Ponderosa is what I call it. Um, we uh, have 189 there and they're only on 80 right now of it because the other okay. half um the other half we um we did a burn on but also we have new fencing being built for the the back half of it so yeah well i mean that it just gives a bigger picture if you're running 50 bison on 80 acres they yeah they've got plenty of room and yeah and that's not you know we're and we only have 30 at the ponderosa hmm. the other 20 is still at the original place where i started which is at mom and kevin's Okay. Um, yeah, which is where we started, uh, raising them, but, um, we'll eventually be able to expand and we'll have more acres so we can do a better job of rotational grazing and stuff. So 
Um, but when we acquired the property, we knew that we were going to have to uh, do some fence building for sure. Well, I mean, it's about the animals because, like you said, the if they're happy, six strand will keep them in. Yep. My cows, if they're happy, one strand of hot wire that hot half wire. the time doesn't work keeps them in. <laughs> yeah. 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 They get hungry and they get bored or they go into heat and get bored, but you know. Yep. <clears throat> I have to yep. keep I, that's pretty much the only reason I need the hot wire is for when one of my cows goes into heat, she gets really dumb and takes off. <laughs> yep, that's funny. Excited. <laughs> Right. And we live right on the Canadian border. So, I mean, oh, if she man. heads in the wrong direction, I, I don't get my cow back. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. We had pigs get out one time and they headed for Canada. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> they headed north, huh? Right. And like, that's our, you know, pigs are what we raise. We have nine sows. Yeah. And I was actually, I was sitting here thinking when you were talking about, how big they get and then how big your bison get and then you know that like spend a lot of time with them know that they still can't hurt you i have sows that by weight are pretty darn close to your two-year-old uh bulls yeah yeah i mean they're seven eight hundred pounds wow yeah and i take my toddlers out in the pen with me but you know, my, my bigger concern is that they get excited and they, you know, like they, you have you ever seen happy pigs? They jump around, they kick their back feet, spin around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a really good way to get knocked over. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm sure that's, that's the thing with bison is you're just in their way. They're not uh-huh. coming out to get you. You're just in their way. That's it. That's really it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have this one sow. I can, she'll come running full speed, scares the heck out of people. <laughs> and, um, cause she knows that I'm always going to have an egg in my hand for her. And she comes to a dead really? stop and like real gently takes the egg out of my hand and like, then oh. excitedly runs off. And that's when she will sometimes knock somebody over. But <laughs> <laughs> that's funny, man. Those animals in the North, they're just so much bigger, I guess. That's crazy. I don't know. It's, we, I mean, yeah, we're in North Idaho. We raise our pigs and, you know, we don't have them in farrowing crates and that type of stuff. They're, yeah, they're, and they're not pasture pigs. We lay, we just raise large breed, but we got some big girls. Yeah. We, uh, I went up to, oh, I wish I could tell you the name of the, uh, town that we went to. We have some friends that raise bison up in Idaho. Was it um, Blanchard? It was, uh, their, their name is, uh, Joe and Bonnie, uh, Brown, I think. Um, I know of a couple different bison places up here. There's one in Blanchard, one in, I want to say Coquilala. Well, the bison boys have some ranches up there too. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Their last name is Ball. Hmm. But. I'll have to time. check that out because I always like. I always like something different and new. Oh, yeah. They have a huge operation. Matter okay. of fact, they just built a slaughtering facility in Idaho. Um, what's the big city? It's like in, I, sh- I should know, in the south. Boise? South, southeast Idaho. Uh, like Twin Falls? Yes. I think they okay. just built a huge processing facility there for bison nice 
that makes sense because that's really close to like Yellowstone and Montana and yep yep that's, that's really smart yeah we're up in the panhandle of Idaho literally a thousand feet from the border oh my gosh like the welcome to Idaho sign is on our property that is so, crazy like I'm looking out my window right now we have five inches of snow and if it wasn't snowing I'd be able to see Canada from my window so oh my yeah. I can't imagine the cold temperatures you go through. Right. I was just talking to someone in Texas this morning and she's like, it's like 85 here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. It's beautiful right now. Matter of fact, I'll check my <clears throat> phone and yeah, it's, it's uh 75. It's beautiful. Wow. here. I mean, it's beautiful here, but it's, yeah, I don't, I grew up in California. I don't do the snow, but <laughs> yeah. I mean, even I always, I, I'm always careful when I say California, I grew up in Northern California. <laughs> it's pretty rural there. Uh, yeah. I was going to say, if you grew up in the other half, yeah, <laughs> a little different. Yeah. Not so much. I, my dad was from Tennessee and he hitchhiked out to California when he was 13 and started working in shipyards. And by the time he was in his early twenties, he owned three. Oh my gosh. Wow, yeah. good for him. He had one in San Diego, in the Bay Area, and then in Portland. And he was like, I hate the city. He's like, you know, country kid out of Tennessee. So he bought this huge ranch um, in wine country, uh, specifically because he liked pig hunting and there was pigs there. Uh-uh. Yeah. That's awesome. And then he kind of, his brother took over the business and my dad was a hunting guide for the last 25 years of his life. That sounds honestly like a lot of fun. Yeah, it was a blast as a kid, you know, because we got to do, you know, the kind of got to do some of the city stuff. And my dad was really big in a Safari Club International. So we traveled a lot. But really, we just spent a lot of time in the backwoods with our dogs. That's pretty cool life. It's not bad. Yeah, it was pretty good. My mom was a taxidermist. So. Oh, well, heck, that's even, even better. Yeah, and then they looked at me weird when I said I wanted to major in agriculture. They're like, well, what are you to do with that? Like, yeah. I never <laughs> thought it would be that I was going to be a podcaster. But <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't think I was going to be a bison rancher. Right? Yeah. I mean, I worked in the food safety industry for a decade. And then, yeah. uh, you know, decided to be mom, started homeschooling. And yep. uh, there, were, I hated all the homeschool curriculum. I wanted to teach my kids what I knew. So I wrote a homeschool curriculum on homesteading. That's awesome. And I mean, like I said, I don't know if you'd looked into my stuff at all. It's a 300 page science textbook. Jeez. That is absolutely going crazy right now. It's so awesome to go to these conferences and just have all these wonderful conversations with people about what, you know, I poured into this. So. Absolutely. Well, good for you. Yes. I do need to look at that. (laughs) I was, um, I was a teacher and, and a coach for 10 years. Okay. So yeah, you get that, like yeah. wanting to reach the kids in a different way. And yep, I get it. That's, I mean, actually you can see here behind me, I was teaching how to budget uh, a homestead business. So <laughs> nice. Good. That's very helpful. It's so popular today. My, my uh, relatives, my sister and brother-in-law uh, do the arms family homestead. So mm. They're on YouTube and stuff too. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, I, I just never could get into the YouTube thing. I do a little, yeah, not much, never was my thing, but I love the writing. I have yeah. several books out now and I do the podcast and 
because I just like to talk about all these subjects and, um, you know, I did a podcast the other day on beating food inflation mm-hmm. and it was just me. And I told my husband, oh, I'm going to go record it real quick. And I came to bed an hour and a half later and he's like, <laughs> man, that took forever. I was like, yeah, my guest wouldn't shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. I know I have a hard time with YouTube and stuff on like how, how long my videos sh- should be of me talking, you know, like people get tired of hearing you dusty. Come on. But no, I like to, <laughs> I like to do this. This is, this is fun. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, I'm like, that's kind of how I came across to you as I'm speaking at all these conferences and the, the Oki one is one of the ones I'm not doing oh man yeah and so I was like oh well who's going you know and that's how I came across to you yep uh I'm doing the Ozarks one though oh okay gotcha is that yeah. Missouri that's a Missouri yeah 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 the Okie one what's the date on that one I think it's June 2nd and 3rd I believe that's what it is there's three other conferences happening that same weekend wow I wonder what else and I kind of had them like lined out by like first, second choice. And my first choice won't get back to me and it's driving me crazy. <laughs> yeah. <I won't laughs> Which only because my husband wants to go to that one. But yeah. And then there's a homeschool conference near us and well in Boise that I was like, well, if I can't go to the one in Tennessee, I'm going to go to the one in Boise because that just makes sense. There you go. My uh, five-year-old is convinced that um, I've made up zoos and that like elephants and giraffes don't exist. <laughs> Because oh, when I finally took him to a, a, a like quote zoo, it was bear country up in like South Dakota. Yeah. And he's like, see, these are just normal animals, mom. Like yeah. elephants and giraffes aren't real. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta see him. <clears throat> yeah. So I think I'm going to take him to the zoo, but. Yeah. I think you have to take him to the zoo. <laughs> right. Uh, so when you were getting into selling your like jerky and your dried products like what kind of process do you go through with that does the slaughter plant do that is that you use produce them as well no um i have to take uh after the meat has been processed i have to go pick it up take it to the packaging company uh to make the jerky and they package it up label it and then i go back to pick it up and then i just distribute it however from there so that's um, cool yeah so i i pretty much do it all so and then do you have to follow special regulations to ship out of state with your dried products um no as long as it's inspected and um you know what took the longest was labels um getting the labels with the ingredients and all the the information and then getting those design and stuff took the longest process but um no as long as they're inspected it's it's free game as far as i know so um well i mean that's the meat's inspected you take it to a packaging facility that is also inspected they put their print on it you know you should be good yeah no i mean that's super interesting because i know there's so many people that are trying to start these small businesses because yeah. you know people just want to work from home now right and, yep. um you know you do something like you know basically it, locally doing jerkies or something would be considered a cottage food but to ship and you know grow and get larger where you could actually make an income out of it those are the things that people run into and they it seems overwhelming like you have to 
you know, have a lot of money or a, you know, food safety background to be able to do something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And even myself, I tend to overthink it. Yeah. Oh, that's easy to do too. Yeah. I, I agree. You can overthink it, but. Taking notes. <laughs> oh, you're good. So, all right. Well, um, as we're kind of running to the end of our time, one of the things I ask everybody is what does keep growing mean to you? Um, keep reaching to be better. Um, keep, uh, you know, you always set goals for yourself and your family. I think you have to keep setting goals for what you want to accomplish. Yeah. Um, you, you can't, you can't get too big. I don't think if you, uh, if you keep your head on straight, you know, um, so as a family, we set goals and we keep striving for something different, something new. And, um, you know, the main thing that you think about in that growing is you want to grow relationships with people and you want to reach their goals and help others do that as well. So with all that being said, I think that's all part of growing um, to, to help others, you know, and uh, help your business and your family grow and just yourself um, grow as a person. So I, I love it. This, that's probably my favorite question of my whole podcast every time, because everyone's different. Everyone's answer is just so different. And yeah. the reason I started the podcast was to teach people how to grow their own food and grow as a person. Yep. So that was why I bring this one up for everybody. So do you want to ask. thank you. You're welcome. Um, where can everyone find you and find your products and see you speak and all those things? Uh, I guess the, the main hub is on our website at crosstimbersbison.com. And then from there, you can kind of see uh, the should be links to YouTube, uh, YouTube, channel and then our facebook channel and then um instagram and tiktok as well um i'm on all those now so that's kind of the main thing i do i post uh on youtube on sundays and thursdays and then on facebook tuesdays and saturdays typically and then of course trying to keep up with the social media uh with instagram on um and tiktok and that's just whenever so Awesome. Well, everybody, make sure you go check him out, support what he's doing, order some jerky. I think I'm going to. And uh, I know that I have really been loving his reels and stuff on Instagram. It's really great watching the bison. So thank you so much for joining me today and keep growing. Thanks, Cody. Thank you for joining me today at the Homestead Education. And I hope that I have given you something to think about this week. To help others find me, please comment and leave a review on your favorite podcast player. You can also follow me on Facebook at The Homestead Education and Instagram at homestead underscore education. Do you have questions that you would like answered or just want to say hi? Please email me at hello at thehomesteadeducation.com. Until next time, keep growing!